you know, if you are doing cycle syncing, if you're tracking your cycle, there are parts in our cycle where you can actually do HIIT training and it is fine for your body because your body has a much slower metabolism. You need that energy um, and that's usually right after your period ends. And that's maybe about a week of your cycle. Everything after that, you should be focusing on things like weight training, you know, strength training, uh, Pilates, yoga, anything that's not cardio intensive type of training. مرحبا أنا كارين أبو جودة أنا سارة رسلان وأنا ميس عمران Welcome to الأمومة Real talk guys We'll be taking you through all the stages of pregnancy and motherhood and diving into the stuff no one talks about From fears and anxieties, sex drive to social stigmas We will be sharing our personal experiences with you and of course welcome various special guests to share their journeys and learnings too And most importantly, hear from you, mamas. This is your podcast. Make sure to follow us on Instagram where we'll be taking all your awesome questions. Don't shy away, mamas, or even papas. All sorts of questions are welcome. Just remember, folks, we are not medical professionals. We are mamas sharing our experiences with you. All thoughts and opinions expressed are our own. Welcome back, El Omuma listeners. Today, we're going to be talking about health and nutrition pre and postnatal for mama. Today, we have a really special guest, Sandra Sharp. Sandra, welcome to our show. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for coming on. Please tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and your experience and why we have brought you on to talk about this super important topic. So thank you for having me. My name is Sandra, obviously. Um, I am a functional medicine health coach who specializes in gut and hormone health. Uh, I have been a health coach for about a little over two years now, and I work primarily with women uh, creating awareness around gut health and hormone health and how all of that is intertwined. I do also uh, work with women pre and postnatally, and so obviously that is why I'm here, because I think a lot of what I do and the awareness that I am trying to create is around hormone health. Um, a lot of the clients that I work with are trying to get pregnant or are you know, wanting to make sure that their bodies are functioning properly to be able to hold a baby, to have a baby, to um, you know, be healthy for that. And even women who don't want to have babies, um, I think it's really important to understand that you need to have a, a menstrual cycle, you need to be ovulating even if you don't want to have children. So I think hormone health is extremely important. Um, I am a mother. Uh, I have a 15-month-old daughter. Her name is Harper. And um, my experience with pre and postnatal everything was quite eye-opening because i again i don't think that there's enough awareness around this topic um and so that kind of propelled me to do what i do now because i feel like women need to be educated about what their bodies go through um how to make sure that their bodies are working optimally and um i think postpartum especially even in my own experience, I needed to create awareness around what your body not only goes through from a physical point of view, but from a mental point of view. And um, and yeah, just create more awareness around that in education. 
Sandra, you, you had a really dramatic experience um, with your own personal health. Mm-hmm. Um, please tell us a little bit more about that because I think that it's super relevant, especially for moms or moms-to-be. Mm-hmm. Um, I personally also have possibly something similar going on with me. So I think it's su- something very common and not yet spoken a lot about yet. Yes. So... Um so to backtrack, before I got pregnant, I so I got diagnosed with hypothyroidism when I was 16 years old. Um, I had no idea what that actually was. Um, and so I was put on medication right away. I didn't know that I had actually Hashimoto's, um, which is what stemmed, which is what the hypothyroidism stemmed from. So Hashimoto's thyroiditis, for anyone who doesn't know, is, is an autoimmune condition. So I was living with this autoimmune condition and hypothyroidism for years. And before I got pregnant, um, I was going through a routine check and they did an ultrasound for my thyroid, which was part of that routine check. And they found that I had nodules on my thyroid. So again, that's something that's so common. A lot of women, uh, you know, create the thyroid creates nodules or nodules are created on their thyroid throughout their life. Um, They can be benign. They can be nothing. I mean, nothing. It doesn't mean anything bad if you have nodules. Um, So they told me it's fine. But the problem was that mine looked actually quite suspicious. So my doctor at the time told me that um, I needed to uh, I needed to just keep monitoring it. And he told me to come back in three months. When I came back in three months, I was pregnant. So he was like, okay, park that on the side. The most important thing for you right now is to take care of your health, to make sure that your thyroid is constantly working properly because thyroid health, which I think a lot of women don't realize, is crucial for your pregnancy and for your baby's development. So for their brain function, for their development, um, your thyroid regulates so many functions in your body. So as a woman, it's extremely important if you've never checked your thyroid before that you absolutely have to start checking it when you're pregnant. After I delivered, I went back to monitor this nodule uh, through another ultrasound, and I and they realized that it had actually doubled in size during that ninth month nine month period of pregnancy. So when I went back, of course, he was like, uh, "Look, I'm you know I'm really sorry to tell you, but your nodule has increased in size. It's actually doubled, even though it was still quite tiny. It was only a six millimeter nodule, which is su- super tiny, but it had every feature of being cancerous." So um, he said, don't panic. I think the most important thing right now is to just get a biopsy and make sure that you uh, are in the clear. So I got a biopsy, um, which was like even worse than having a surgery. It was horrible. But uh, they did, in fact, find cancer cells. So I got called in and they did tell me that I was diagnosed with thyroid uh, papillary carcinoma stage one. So it was super early stages, but of course I was put in the, you know, I, I had to be, I had to make the decision of do I want to remove my thyroid completely or do I want to do half of my thyroid and so, of course, we were in the time of the pandemic, Corona, lockdown. Oh um, I was and with a, a newborn. Mo- I was a new mother, um, and I had just got diagnosed with cancer. So, of course, I think more than just the physical, like, okay, you have cancer. I think the mental drain of just everything really got to me. And I think just as I was pulling myself out of postpartum anxiety, depression, whatever you want to call it, um, I just went way back in. So. 
I think that was uh, something really eye-opening for me. I did go through with a surgery. I removed my entire thyroid um, because, like I said before, I was diagnosed with hypothyroidism, so I was already on medication. My thyroid has been useless pretty much for 16 years, and it has depended on that medication, so it's basically stopped working. So they told me that there's absolutely no reason why you should keep part of your thyroid in there because cancer can spread to the other half of the... um, the thyroid. So I removed it completely. Um, you know, thank God I found an incredible surgeon here in Dubai who did it. And, um, and yeah, and then I think since then, it's kind of propelled my purpose to create awareness about this because, you know, little did I know that thyroid was so susceptible to imbalances or even cancer, I mean, was so susceptible to imbalances during our pregnancies. Um, Little did I know that I actually had Hashimoto's. I wasn't made aware of that until about a year or so ago. Um, You know, and all of these things, like I didn't know, I didn't know, I didn't know. So, you know, we're not being told enough about our bodies. We're not being educated enough. There's not enough talk about it. So whether you're pregnant or not, I think awareness around our hormones and and around how our bodies actually function is really lacking. And so this is why I'm doing what I'm doing. That sounds very stressful, and and I can't even imagine what you're going through or what you had been going through. Yeah, Um, it's a a journey for sure. That's a very positive way to look at it. So, Sandra, let's talk a little bit about hormones. Can you tell us, as moms who are trying to conceive or women who are trying to conceive, what are some important things we need to know about our hormones? Okay, so uh, in terms of hormones, I think the first thing is obviously to make sure that you have a regular period. So uh, making sure that you're ovulating, making sure that you are producing enough progesterone, which is one of our sex hormones. Obviously, progesterone is responsible for um, pregnancy. So you have to have progesterone to get pregnant and to make sure that you are not in any way estrogen dominant. And I think a lot of women are estrogen dominant. And what I mean by estrogen dominant is in relation to progesterone. So your body is not only producing excess estrogen, but the environment around us also creates excess estrogen in our body. So through things like plastics, um, BPA, Uh, these are all called xenoestrogens. So things that we are, toxins basically, that we are exposed to on a day-to-day basis that creates excess estrogen in our bodies. So in relation to your progesterone, your estrogen creeps up and then that's where you start getting irregularities in your period. So, um, this could be, this could include food as well. Cause yes, I know there are there like are phytoestrogens. Yeah. Like I know that soy, mm-hmm. for example, yeah. or even like edamame yeah. are so. very high in estrogen. So I remember when I was trying to get, when I was talking about getting pregnant, my mother is also a, a health coach. She was like, avoid soy and estrogen, <laughs> estrogen high foods. And I was like, oh my God, what? I didn't know. But yeah, you can yeah. you can balance those with your diet as well, right? Yeah, so if you are trying to eliminate excess estrogen from your body, you want to be making sure that you're eating a lot of fiber. Um, you want to be eating cruciferous vegetables and making sure that they're cooked. So cruciferous vegetables are your broccoli, cauliflower, Brussels sprouts, kale, anything from what is called the brassica family. Um, and make sure you cook them because cooking them actually removes a substance called goitrogens, which actually affect your thyroid. So um, And it inhibits your thyroid from producing thyroid hormones. So it's actually really important to cook those vegetables, but it does not mean avoid them because I think there's a huge 
misconception that you should not be eating those vegetables if you want to get rid of estro excess estrogen. Um, so those vegetables and fiber, um, leafy greens, uh, avoiding things like soy and stuff, flax seeds are amazing to eliminate excess estrogen, make sure your bowels are working, make sure your liver is supported, and that's what's going to eliminate that excess estrogen. So it's really important to for fertility purposes to make sure, like I said, that you are ovulating, that your progesterone is balanced, your estrogen is balanced, um, your testosterone is balanced and your androgens, your cortisol, all of these things. You, you want to try as much as possible to be in a more balanced state in order to make it easier for your body to get pregnant and to be able to be more fertile, fertile. One of the one of the things that we um, often talk about with the professionals that come onto our show, um, because we get a lot of questions from our uh, friends and people on Instagram, is about training. Mm-hmm. So a lot of I know that our parents and the generation before us, it's like when you're trying to get pregnant, just stop doing anything strenuous. And there was this myth that it could strain your uterus and your abdomen and everything. So can you talk to us? from your experience about the importance of physical training and physical activity on the body, on the hormones? Mm -hmm. So it's incredibly important to train. Actually, I think the biggest myth out there is to stop training when you're pregnant. Um, However, if you have never lifted a weight in your life, do not start when you're pregnant. So (laughs) don't start training new ways or new modalities of training when you're pregnant. Just continue with the movement that you are familiar with, that your body's familiar with, and do things like Pilates and yoga and all of these things. Just keep moving. Um, If you have been weight training, you should absolutely not stop weight training because you're pregnant. In fact, it is extremely beneficial to continue that because you want to strengthen your pelvic floor. You want to make sure that your spine and your back are straight and that you are strengthening your back muscles to hold the load in your core. Um, And so it's really important to make sure that you continue that. And, um, you know, there are ways of obviously altering exercises to account for pregnancy and to make sure that you're not injuring yourself, but by no means should should uh, should you stop training. I've been having a really hard time training right now in my <laughs> second pregnancy. Every time I see my doctor, she's like, are you exercising? I'm like, I'm running after my first child. Does that count? <laughs> <laughs> um, another thing that uh, that uh, is, has been difficult for me, I think for Karen as well, we bonded over our food actually during the, the <laughs> first pregnancy when we first met. We went out for dinner with our husbands and and uh, we were both looking at the menu and Karen was like, do you want to order nachos or something? And I was so relieved. I was like, oh my God, thank God you're not one of those healthy pregnant moms. <laughs> but I mean, jokes aside, uh, nutrition is super important during pregnancy. Um, can you, I mean, uh, cravings is a big thing, yeah. right? So how do we kick those cravings or what do we do about you know, finding alternatives or, or satisfying that, that need for, well, you know, fried foods and sugars. Yeah. So cravings are completely normal during pregnancy, but it's not necessarily the type of food that you're craving. It's most likely something that's in that food that you're craving. So you have a post on Instagram about this. Yes. I read that you guys should check out Sandra Sharp Wellness. She's got a lot of great information and this is one of them so go on I won't interrupt (laughs) no it's fine so there's a way to decode cravings in general um and I think a lot of women 
prenatally are actually deficient in so many nutrients that they're not aware of and they don't realize it until they're pregnant and they do like their full blood work and they realize that they're iron deficient or that they're not eating enough carbs or you know whatever they've got um, vitamin d deficiency whatever it is so our cravings actually do indicate something that your body needs um so when you are craving for example during pregnancy you're craving carbs or you're craving um dairy cheese all of these things so if you are craving dairy most likely your body needs more calcium so there are ways to have healthier forms of calcium Uh, of course dairy is a great form of calcium but a lot of women are intolerant to it Um, so things like lighter forms of calcium could be like greek yogurt or kefir which also has probiotic benefits for your gut and then things like sheep cheese or goat cheese like feta cheese goat cheese are much lighter and easier to consume than cow's milk cheese so there those are ways to find alternatives if you are craving carbs just think about for example in your first trimester i think when your placenta is actually forming i remember reading an analogy that was saying if you are craving carbs, it's completely normal. Because personally for me, I only ate beige food the first 12 weeks. Beige food. (laughs) So there was like not one leaf of green, I think, for 12 weeks. I went totally (laughs) beige my first trimester. (laughs) Me too. Very chic. Yeah, yeah. So, um, So they were saying that the analogy is that your body is actually exerting the same amount of energy that someone who is running a marathon every day is. So that's how much endurance your body's actually under like you're exerting that much energy i'm gonna tell my husband yeah (laughs) so the fact that you're craving carbs i mean obviously carbs are our biggest source of fuel so it's absolutely fine that you are craving carbs you need it um of course there's a um way to obviously eat more healthy forms of carbs um you don't want to be eating fried foods every single day and i think a lot of women find pregnancy or use pregnancy as an excuse to eat whatever they want whenever they want because they're like well I'm gonna get fat anyway so it doesn't matter I was one of those people (laughs) I was one of those people I was like a lot of people "Mm, are like that should I have one sandwich or two I'm like (laughs) you know what I'm already huge I don't care I'm gonna have two today and it's just a bad attitude um yeah honestly it's i don't think it's fair to do that to yourself because I, you pay the price later exactly exactly so just think of not only paying the price later but of you know things that can develop during pregnancy so things like gestational diabetes which a lot of women develop during pregnancy because of the type of food that they eat um so things like that you just want to try and avoid as much as possible all the junk um but cravings do indicate like i know women who were vegan that were craving meat during their pregnancy because they needed so much iron, you know? So um, things like that. And I think it's just important to see the kind of signals that your body gives you. Um, But other than just for you and what your body is going through, eating balanced meals is actually super beneficial for fetal development. Yeah. So having healthy fats is good for brain development. And I remember as you go through each trimester, the baby is developing different in different stages like Mm -hmm. the brain is more likely in the second and third trimester um so it's not just for mama it's for baby so I think that helped me uh discipline myself uh when I started thinking or when I was craving really 
um, junky foods or bad foods. And I always had an alarm. My husband was my alarm. He's like, don't eat that. I'm like, okay. He's like, it's for the baby. And I'm like, okay, I'm just going to call Sarah then. She understands me. Um, but there is actually, um, there is links with, um, omega three, having a healthy omega three balance in the body, uh, preventing postpartum depression. Mm -hmm. So um, this is because women need more fat due to the shift in hormones that they're having. Is that right? Yeah. So fats in general, like healthy fats in general, have a positive impact on your mental health in your brain and brain development, cognitive function in general, memory, all of these things. So um, definitely having fats throughout your pregnancy is extremely important, like you said, for brain development of your baby. Um, but also for helping you get over those postpartum baby blues after your pregnancy. Um, so healthy fats, and those are things like oily fish, olive oil, salmon, um, tuna, mackerel, all of these are great sources of fatty fish. And then you've got your olive oil, your avocados, nuts, seeds. These are all great sources of omega-3. Um, so it's super important to make sure that you're eating that throughout your pregnancy. Um, maybe not so much the first trimester. I think a lot of women, I mean, I couldn't look at a vegetable or anything (laughs) other than bread for the first 12 weeks. So, um, but once you do get your energy back and you're feeling better and you're eating more balanced, then definitely including those things is, is really important for your health and for the baby's health. Um, but yeah, for sure, postpartum uh, is very important to include healthy fats as part of your diet. So talking about postpartum, let's shift into postnatal hormones. What happens with the hormones after the baby comes? Yeah, so... Um, I think women experience the biggest, most sudden drop in hormones right after they deliver. So, so think of it as like a massive roller coaster. Um, so your hormones, estrogen and progesterone are super high during your pregnancy. And then all of a sudden after you deliver about, I think it's about three days after you deliver your hormones just plummet. So that is exactly why you start feeling baby blues. You start getting that anxiety, um, all of these things, because your estrogen and progesterone are completely low. But then you also get that oxytocin. So you produce oxytocin when you are delivering after the baby comes, obviously. That's why they give you that um, skin on skin. Um, That's also supposed to help produce oxytocin. And then, of course, if you're breastfeeding afterwards, that's supposed to produce oxytocin as well. Of course, with the... You're supposed to be producing enough oxytocin to counterbalance the plummet in your in the rest of your hormones. But what happens is you're constantly fatigued, you're not sleeping well, you have a surge of cortisol through your body, you have no idea what's going on, you are stressed out of your mind, and so that obviously impacts your oxytocin. So a lot of women actually end up getting more depleted, more stressed out, more depressed, more anxious um, yeah. because of that. Please remember, mamas, that whatever you're feeling, it's not you. Yeah. Those are your hormones, not yeah. you. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, can you tell us a little bit, because the thyroid is so important to come back to. Yes. So what's happening to the thyroid postnatal? 
Well, women are susceptible to developing thyroid imbalances during pregnancy because of two things. First of all, their hormones are imbalanced. And so that imbalance of hormones causes them to have uh, imbalances in their thyroid because, of course, all our hormones are connected. And then um, the immunity, your immune system obviously drops. So the susceptibility to contracting anything while you're pregnant, you're much more vulnerable to it. So a lot of women actually develop hypothyroidism during pregnancy or after pregnancy. Most of the time it's temporary. Other times it's a little bit longer, a little bit more permanent. Some women do develop things like nodules because of, of course, like the inflammatory responses in your body. Yeah, sometimes, um, you know, those nodules go away. Sometimes they don't. So it depends. Everyone is different. Um, You know, of course, I think pregnancy in my case accelerated the nodules and the cancer in my case but that's not for everyone um you know obviously everyone's body is different but women are more definitely more susceptible to thyroid imbalance during that time and i think it's just because our bodies are so vulnerable to to that happening yeah i i definitely fall into that category um this conversation is actually reminding me that i should probably go get my thyroids checked again um, so let's just bring it back a little bit. Uh, so postnatal again, mm-hmm. let's say now mama's a few weeks or a few months postpartum, what kind of training can she get back into and how important is it, um, for, for her and for her body? So, um, I think again, I think there's, uh, misconception out there that there's like a rule of thumb for everyone um everyone's different like i started training four weeks after i delivered some people can't train till you know 10 weeks after they've delivered it it, everything it depends on your body of course if you've got a c-section that's a completely different other story um, because you need to heal a lot more so i think the best thing for you to be doing is walking first um, and then making sure that you have no diastasis so diastasis recti is basically the separation of your abs that occurs when you are pregnant and um, usually that comes back together and you need to make sure that that does come back together before you do any sort of training Um, can you find out can one find out on their own or does that need to be no you can do a self-check okay so basically you just lie down on the floor your legs have to be in a um, sort of A-frame. So you keep your feet on the floor, your knees are bent, and you just lift your head and chest up and you contract your ab. And then you just follow the abs, the, the gap between the two abs, you just follow it all the way down. You'll start to feel that there's a separation that starts happening and you have to feel where that actually starts. So if it is a bigger than, I think it shouldn't be more than two fingers, If it's bigger than two fingers, you should definitely seek out medical help. Um, If it is a finger and a half is, I think a finger and a half is usually the normal kind of separation and then that should go back together. But like I said, um, you need to be guided by a doctor or a um, physio. Physio, exactly. Actually, diastasis is something a lot of women don't know about. I remember, Sarah, postpartum when you told me you were going to the gym, and I asked Sarah if she got the green light from either her doctor or women's health physio uh, to do abdominal exercises um, because she wasn't she wasn't actually you weren't actually aware that diastasis was a thing. I had never heard of it. Yeah, yeah. so it's super important, and there are yeah. a lot of women's health physio physios that could help you get checked. Yeah, 
And um, I remember, Sandra, so you're talking about lifting your body up to check yourself. Mm-hmm. One physio actually told me if you um, if you contract your pelvic floor while doing that, it can give you a more accurate yeah. um, reading or a more accurate measure of that separation. Yeah. yeah. So I, if you try it, even at home, you can actually feel the difference yeah. in that space. Yeah. So, he, yeah, I mean, he knows better than me. I'm not really a pro at checking, but that's, <laughs> no, that's what I know. <laughs> but I thought that was amazing. <laughs> yeah. Um, actually, Sandra, something that I'm currently going through and a lot of my postpartum um, moms are asking this question. Can we please talk about weight loss postpartum? This is something that a lot of women are struggling with because they want to go back to their pre-baby weight. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, most of us get stuck at like a couple kilos heavier and like like I can't get those four kilos off. Yeah. I've got four kilos left, by the way. Woohoo! <laughs> um, but I've realized just for wh- whoever's listening, it's not really about what the scale says. I have learned to accept my new body. My hips are wider. My everything is wider. And I am curvaceous. Yes. I look like a Coca-Cola yeah. model, but I'm still, I'm still working on it. I'm still working on it. So can you tell us a little bit about uh, weight loss? Um, I know breastfeeding. Yeah. I, I gained a lot of weight breastfeeding, mm-hmm. um, not lost a lot of weight. So just walk us through it, please. Yeah. I mean, look, I think there's a, again, a huge, uh, misconception or pressure that we put on ourselves that we have to get quote unquote back to where we were um and I mean I understand that but we're never really going to go back you're not going to go back your body has changed it's evolved and um you know you might never go back to that pre-baby weight but you can you know, work with what you've got now. You obviously have to embrace that your body is different. I mean, you've literally just given birth to a human. So <laughs> you have to embrace that. Um, and it's completely okay that your body is not going to be the same exact weight. If, if that doesn't happen, that's totally fine. But you can work with what you've got. So just making sure that you're healthy, that your hormones are balanced, that your mental health is balanced. Um, that, you know, you're eating right, all of these. And I think weight loss is a byproduct of all of that. Like if you think about how much fatigue and stress we are under after we deliver, so your body's already gone through a trauma, right? And then on top of that, you've got surging cortisol because you are severely stressed all the time. You're undernourished. You're not sleeping well. Most of the women forget to eat. They realize that then they, you know, try to breastfeed or they're frustrated because they can't breastfeed because they're not producing enough whatever it is we are just stressed out of our minds so you've got cortisol that is super high in your body and that actually makes your body hold on to fat so what a lot of women don't realize is that you know even though you're breastfeeding and there's this like uh you know obviously there's this thought out there that when you breastfeed the majority of women are supposed to lose weight fast. Some women don't. Some women gain weight when they're breastfeeding. And that's because, of course, you need to be eating more. You're burning a lot of calories, but you're also frustrated. It's stressful. Breastfeeding, I'm, I mean, I'm pers- I personally had the hardest time breastfeeding and it was the most stressful thing. So I was not sleeping because I was stressing out that my baby wasn't eating enough and that she yeah. wasn't eating the right way or whatever in my that I had in my mind, which yeah. is just all these preconceived notions of like what you're supposed to do. So that contributes to your body holding on to fat. It makes it harder for you to lose fat. And then the next thing I would say is you 100% need to check your thyroid constantly because 
whether you're pregnant or whether you're postpartum or even after that, you constantly have to be checking your thyroid because it could be that you are slightly on the lower side, meaning that your body is having a much harder time losing weight. So I think these are things to keep in mind. Um, And then just give yourself a little bit of grace. I don't think it's fair to give yourself a few weeks to get quote unquote back. I don't think uh, you really start feeling like yourself until a year after you've delivered in all honesty. That's actually something consistent that we've heard from a lot of people is that one year mark. It really, someone once said to me, you were holding and growing something for nine nine months, months, at least give yourself nine Nine months. months. Exactly. And it kind of makes sense. And um, something that we discussed with Sandra was this, I used to mindset. I used to be able to do this. I used to be able to do that. And you actually mentioned to us something really interesting is that your physical body and your biological system is constantly changing. Yeah. So regardless of pregnancy, we are constantly evolving. Yeah. Um, And then you mentioned that intolerances change throughout our life, which Mm -hmm. impact our ability to gain or lose weight. Yeah, exactly. So that was something super interesting that we discussed with Sandra. And if you haven't checked your thyroid or checked what you're intolerant to, and you're having difficulty losing weight or losing too much weight or gaining weight, it's worth starting there, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think it's just about embracing all the changes that we go through and just, you know, try and listen to the signals that your body gives you because like you you were saying, we keep evolving. So the things that we're tolerant to, the things that worked for us before might not work for us now, might not work for us in five years. Um, I remember when I... um, when I stopped breastfeeding, I decided to go to berries mm-hmm. and I was going to like seriously hit berries. And I had like this goal in mind. And my mom told me that she assumed or she believes that I had adrenal fatigue. And she said, high intensity workouts aren't going to help you lose weight. You're going to gain weight. Mm-hmm. I didn't believe her. I started going to berries and this was like what twice a week going to berries. And I was eating super clean but I gained two kilos after three weeks. So can you tell us that, I mean, sometimes the way we train isn't suited for our bodies or our conditions or whatever it may Mm -hmm. be. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so that goes back again to what I was saying about cortisol. So Mm -hmm. high intensity training is, in terms of the biggest bang for your buck, high intensity training is the best way because you're in, you're out, you get what you want and you're done quickly, yeah? But over a long period of time, which is what happens, things like berries, boot camp, and many other types of HIIT training, they get you addicted to that, you know, surge of adrenaline, you've got that community. And so women start getting addicted to that form of training, and they feel like that's the only way of training that they should be doing to lose weight. And what happens is that training that form of training is actually a stressor to your body so if you are already stressed if you've just delivered you're already stressed you have a new baby or you know if you don't have children and you've got tons of things going on in your life your you know your job is really hectic you're stressed out most of the day which most of us are and then on top of that you're stressing your body even more by training that way you're going to hold on to fat And so your body goes into a panic mode when your cortisol levels are extremely high because what happens is that everything sort of shuts down so that you have the stress response, which which historically was used to get out of a life or death situation, like 
get out of the face of a lion that's trying to attack you. But we're not getting in those situations anymore. It's just like low-grade stress chronically. So what happens is that your body actually shuts down, your reproduction system shuts down, your digestive system shuts down, and your body goes into a panic mode, storing all the fat and holding on to fat to make sure to conserve energy. So your body's super smart. Like if you think about actually what happens, it's crazy that, you know, when you're stressed out, this is what happens. Everything shuts down to protect you. And so even a form of protection is holding on to the fat in your body to make sure that you don't starve or to make sure that you've got enough energy and all of that stuff. So um, that is why you do see women gaining weight when they're constantly going to train at berries or doing HIIT workouts Mm -hmm. or CrossFit or all that stuff. That's why your period starts becoming irregular um, and we start seeing things like that. That's incredible advice um, for for new moms and, and women that if, if they are dealing with a high level of stress due to, um, you know, postpartum stresses and anxieties or whatever it is, HIIT training and, and high, uh, high intensity training is definitely not the way to go for women in particular. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there are different, I mean, we can go on about this because there's also like cycle syncing you can take into consideration um but i won't go into that tangent now but you know if you are doing cycle syncing if you're tracking your cycle there are parts in our cycle where you can actually do hit training and it is fine for your body because your body has a much slower metabolism you need that energy um and that's usually right after your period ends and that's maybe about a week of your cycle Everything after that, you should be focusing on things like weight training, um, you know, strength training, uh, Pilates, yoga, anything that's not cardio intensive type of training. I think ugh, the danger for me, at least, was how many calories did I burn in <laughs> this workout? And it, it's more holistic than that. Yeah, I mean, definitely. it's more well-rounded. It's about not just the training and the calories you burn, but what you're eating. Mm-hmm. Um, wow, this episode is loaded with information. Um, I think it's super important for all women to not just be aware of their hormone and thyroid function while they're pregnant, but before and after. It comes with food and diet and lifestyle and overall stress levels. And Sandra's explained how important it is to be um, balanced in all aspects. Um, Sandra, thank you, thank you. Shukran for joining us on Al Umuma. It was such a pleasure Thanks to have so you. Such a pleasure to have you. Thank you. Thank you. Ma'assalamah. Ma'assalamah.